Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Diane Curtis, and I serve as an elder in this congregation. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, we no longer look for Jesus among the dead, for he is alive and has become the Lord of life. From the waters of death, you raise us with him and renew your gift of life within us. Increase in our minds and hearts the risen life we share with Christ and help us to grow as your people toward the fullness of eternal life with you. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now let us praise God through our worship.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? <clears throat> Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. we say we have no sin, writes the apostle, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With that assurance, let us go to God with our corporate prayer of confession.
Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We are deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. of faith, let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's now take a moment to greet one another and pass the peace of Christ.
wow, I got up here with time to spare. <laughs> Wonderful. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you all here this day. We're grateful that we can be gathered together as the people of Christ and to know of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And we hope that you will find this to be a, a welcome place. I don't want to say warm place because it's it's warm enough as it is, maybe too cold when you're dealing with the air conditioning, but we're glad that you're here and we are glad to be able to share with you what's going on in life here at Church of the Palms. On Friday, we sent off 32 high school kids and seven adults off to Montreat for their annual youth conference. And right now they're in Savannah, Georgia and doing some mission work there uh, yesterday and today, and they'll be on their way up to Montreat, I believe, tonight, and looking forward to a great week there of spiritual renewal, and will be returning to us next Saturday. So keep them all in your prayers that they may have safe journey and have some transforming experiences. We have a little, bro little uh, insert in your bulletin uh, to invite you to help us to think through who might be the next uh, generation of leadership here at Church of the Palms. We have a wonderful nominating committee that uh, takes these names that you submit very seriously for elder and for deacon and for the nominating committee and for the Memorial Garden Board. And So we hope that you'll uh, keep that in your thoughts and prayers and if you can send on some names to us, uh, preferably you might want to ask the person who you're nominating um, whether or not it's a good idea to send on their name. But, uh, but whatever it takes, uh, we'll be glad to receive those names and we'll look forward to uh, bringing those nominees before you later in the year. Uh, yes, we still have ping pong scholarships available. So uh, take note of that in the announcements. Uh, we've got a, a burgeoning ten table tennis thing going on over there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So hallelujah for that. We have a couple memorial services or celebrations of life coming up in the next week. These are people who uh, passed away over the COVID season, not necessarily of COVID, but their services were delayed uh, for several months and almost even close to a year. So we'll be remembering Carol Esri, Mr. C on uh, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. That information is in your bulletin. And then also in the afternoon in the Palm Center from 2 to 4, there will be a celebration of life reception, remembering Will Hedgepeth, the son of Bruce, Reverend Bruce Hedgepeth, who for many years was a pastor here. So we'll keep all of those families in our prayers um, during those times. We are so glad to have Laura McKenna with us this day. Where is Laura? There she is. And uh, Laura's not a stranger to us. She is a, an alumnus of uh, SYV, Sarasota Young Voices. So she's actually been here and sung before us. And uh, we're grateful to have you here leading us in worship. And she will be also a part of the upcoming Sarasota Young Voices production on August the 6th, which will be, uh, which more information is on page 12 of your bulletin, and it features music from the 50s going forward. I don't think any of you lived in the 50s, right? Um, so, um, but in, in the event you remember or heard music from the 50s, you might want to come to that event. Uh, again, that's on August the 6th. And we had a great day yesterday of Day of Hope, and I would love to invite Marlene Petro and Marcia Barson to come forward and uh, to hear the amazing things that happened. This place was a sea of green, of volunteers, and we were delighted to be able to serve many, 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 many people. So we'll be looking at some pictures and we'll be hearing some updates. <clears throat> 
Good morning. I'm Marcia Barson. And I'm Marlene Petro. Marcia and I partnered again this year for the 10th annual Day of Hope at Church of the Palms. And what a privilege that is for both of us. Today, we want to thank you. You are all, you all have a really, really big heart for helping others. And because of that, we can do Day of Hope at Church of the Palms. Yesterday, we welcomed some 100 families and 250 needy children to our campus for a drive-through event. Not totally ideal, but at least these children walked off with some very nice things to help them start the school year. They left with gift cards from Bells and from Detweilers, school supplies in new backpacks, and they were nice backpacks, personal care products, bags of food from All Face, and bags of fruit from Detweilers. We as a congregation have helped these children prepare for the new school year. On Wednesday, I spoke to a parent who couldn't have been more appreciative of the event and our church. She has a disability, and this, this help for her daughter was most welcome. And yesterday, there were tears, tears of gratitude from our parents who came through the line and were blessed by people like Maxine Perry, who spoke to her in Spanish and said, God bless you, and the tears started coming. And by our blessings team, who would pray over these families. This event that serves so many was made possible thanks to the con contributions of time, treasure, and talent from this congregation. Your generosity is just overwhelming and so appreciated. These children from Wilkinson, Philippi Shores, and Southside, as well as several middle and high school students will start school well-equipped. Thanks to you. I hope you know you're appreciated. But, but here's some extra good news that goes with our Day of Hope. Your contributions don't end with yesterday's event. Because of your generosity, we're going to be able to respond to requests from these schools during the year and help these growing children with such things as new shoes, socks, new clothes, food, and other supplies. This is thanks to you, our wonderful and generous congregation. Thank you for loving God and loving neighbor. It is indeed a blessing to be part of this wonderful congregation at Church of the Palms. Along with the financial support that you so generously give, we are also very grateful for your tremendous spirit of volunteerism and the real work that you do. Our 10th Annual Day of Hope was another successful event because of the help of more than 90 volunteers and certainly with the prayers of many more. Thank you to everyone who came yesterday to enjoy the time in fellowship together while working together on the parking lot at, and traffic control team led by John Sago, 
the registration and gift card team led by Jean Asakura, the greeters and hospitality team led by Kathy Robinette and Linda Halderman, our photographers, Kathy Lloyd, Jerry Haley, and Faye Mercer, our volunteers who loaded cars with backpacks and personal care bags led by Shelley Maddox, along with the Boy Scouts, Troop 895, who come every year to load bags of food into the cars. This year, we are very excited to have added two stops on the drive-through route. A stop for the children and families to receive a prayer and a blessing with Pastor Bruce Hedgepath and Stephen Ministers, Sandy Snyder and John Kennedy. And each child was given a new kid's Bible. We also added an optional photo stop for the children and family to have their picture taken by Kathy Lloyd. There were many more helping hands working behind the scenes in preparation for our Day of Hope. Special thanks to everyone who came to help pack the backpacks with school supplies and the personal care bags last week. To our choir members and others for packing all the All All Faiths food bags and the fresh produce from Detweilers. We are very thankful always for our amazing pastors and our wonderful church staff and for the extra help from Pam Gillespie, Kathy Robinette, James Thompson, Rick Dolenga, Mike McCullough, and the entire office and custodial staff. If you were among those who could not participate this year, please keep Day of Hope on your hearts and plan to volunteer to help next year. We are looking forward to offering full services again with medical and dental, haircuts, and so forth. And we will need many, many more volunteers to help. Thank you.
Let us turn to God in prayer. God Almighty, we come together to give you thanks, for you are above all nations, and your glory is above all heavens. We see your generosity reflected in a wonderful world you give us to enjoy every day. We glorify you this day through our greetings, our prayers, through the songs that you have given us to sing in our beautiful worship space, also entrusted to us by you. We praise you for the shade provided by the beautiful tree on our campus that's been standing there for over two centuries. This simple tree that hears wonderful stories in our time of fellowship. We praise you for our lush corner of the world where we can be in community with many or find peace within a short drive in any direction. This amazing land you gave us to care for is struggling and we are seeing signs all over the earth of our lack of care as rushing waters are devastating lands in some places and as lakes are drying up in others. The heat has overwhelmed many for too long this summer. Fires are raging, winds are blowing more than they should. We are so selfish and so concerned about our needs that we don't participate actively in healing our planet. Teach us how to do better, Lord. We give you thanks today for the resources that are at hand for us, and we take a moment to pray for all the children and families that entered our doors yesterday to receive school supplies. Protect them in the year to come. May they find a renewed sense of joy in their learning. Fill them with curiosity. We take a moment to pray for those who are sitting on either side of us today. Bring them peace in the unknown trials they may be quietly facing. We pray for those who are not here today. May they feel your presence. Be with those who are traveling to Montreat that they may find renewed joy in discovering you in new ways. Comfort those who are facing cancer and other long-term diseases that require lengthy treatment. Bring your healing touch to them who suffer, as well as energy and strength for their caregivers. Protect those who work to keep us out of the dangers of the world and grant wisdom to our leaders in the church. And may all our leaders always strive to make this world a better place under your guidance. We lift to you these things and all that is in our heart in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we share together this moment of gratitude. This is our time to give back 
what is already God's and to reflect on the joys that we experience through the gener generosity of our Father Almighty, maker of everything that surrounds us. The baskets brought forward symbolize our gifts to God, but there are many ways to give listed on the back of your bulletin. Let us give with joyful hearts. For these gifts, O oh Lord, we give you thanks. For the people in this place, we give you thanks. For the love and grace that you give us freely, we give you thanks. We pray that you will multiply these gifts and use them so that we will be able to bless others by them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
may be seated. Well, today we are on to our next faceted stained glass window that we have so beautifully adorning our chapel next door. This window, if you recall, uh, we are in the series taking a look at all the different windows in the chapel as a way of accenting that beautiful building. The one we're looking at today is the resurrection window, and it features the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. You were wondering why we sang Jesus Christ is risen today at the start of the service. You kind of had an out-of-body experience, didn't you? You thought you were back in April here on Easter. So on your bulletin cover, you'll see uh, that window, and at the top of the window, you'll see the chrysalis, the symbol of resurrection. And below, you will find Jesus with outstretched arm calling forth Lazarus, and to your right, the yet unbound resurrected Lazarus appearing at the entrance or exit of the tomb, depending how you want to think of it. And at Lazarus' feet is one of his sisters, Mary, beholding the moment. So let's hear a part of that story as it comes to us from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 44. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb already four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, and while Mary stayed at home, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up and quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. But when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping. He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said to take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. A few years ago, I was on an airplane, and at one point, the pilot came on to the intercom and informed us that in a few minutes, we were going to be experiencing some moderate turbulence. That's an interesting phrase can mean a whole lot of things, but usually when the pilot tells you that there's some moderate turbulence ahead, you sort of know that what you're about to experience is something that is a little bit more than moderate. And sure enough, that was the case. 10 minutes or so after the announcements and after the flight attendants had made sure that we were all safely belted in, the moderate turbulence began and it felt a little bit like being on Space Mountain, up and down, rise and drop, And it's then that you begin to dwell on the fact that there really is nothing that's holding this plane up in the air. There are no suspension wires above, there are no stanchions below. You are riding on thin air, and on top of it propelled by hundreds of gallons of flammable fuel. These are the thoughts that pass through the mind when you are, for a second or two, dropping through yet another air pocket. It was during this little episode of modern, moderate turbulence that I looked over and saw on the other side of the aisle a young couple with a young baby, maybe six weeks old. And the young baby was in her mother's arms, wrapped in a blanket and nursing. And from what I could tell, this nursing baby was not paying any attention to the moderate turbulence. He was somewhat oblivious to the Space Mountain ride. Wrapped in his blanket and secured his mother's breast, he was unaffected by the precarious physics of flight, largely because he was unaware, uninformed, uneducated. But soon would come the day when that young boy would have unwrapped from him his blanket and taken from him his mother's breast, and he would become informed and aware and educated to the precariousness of life, and he would become an adult and begin to worry and grow anxious over air pockets and plummeting planes. And the world would have its way of replacing his blanket of infant security with what, let's call it, the bindings of fear, because that's what life does, right? That's what the world does. It reminds us of all the things we should be worried about, all the things that might do us in. And with every reminder comes this new and different binding, not the binding of security, but the binding of insecurity, not the bands of life, but the bands of death, not unlike the ones that Lazarus had when he was buried. That's what they did with dead people back then in the first century. They bound them with cloth strips. When you're born, you get bound with a blanket. In Jesus' case, he got bound with what? Swaddling claws, right? His mother Mary wrapped him in swaddling claws and laid him in a manger. But when you die, you get bound with swaddling claws again. But these are the bands of death. And the truth is, that can happen long before our dying. Life has its way of binding us early in our burial bands. So 
sort of what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve thought it was a good idea to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes were open, Scripture says, and they became aware, and they saw the world and its dangers, and the first thing they thought to do was bind themselves with fig leaves, and then likely later, leather and linens. The first words out of Adam's mouth were, we were afraid. And so the journey of human beings like you and me and like that baby on that plane is this journey of discovery and knowledge and awareness. And, and with our discovery and knowledge and awareness comes our capacity to be afraid, to fear. And with our fear comes these bands that bind us. We bind ourselves with what we know. And we know that life is a little bit like riding on thin air and skating on thin ice. And we can't be so sure of that moderate turbulence in the future because we're no longer bound with the swaddling bands of birth. We are wrapping ourselves daily with the bands of our worry, the shroud of our own death. You know what I'm talking about, all those things we do to prepare for the worst, the insurance we buy, the gates and walls we put around our neighborhoods, the security systems we wire into our homes, the bank accounts ready for a rainy day, the extra drink we drink at night to settle our nerves, the helicopter flights hovering over our children, the withdrawal from people who don't look like us, the doctor's appointments to delay the inevitable, you name it, all the search for the new security, and with it comes this binding, this worry, this fear. So enter Jesus. Enter Jesus into the family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Early in the story, the two sisters had sent word to Jesus that their brother was near death. Come quick, they said. Do something, they said. Give us the magic pill, they said. But Jesus doesn't come, at least not quick enough, and Lazarus dies. And they wrap him in those swaddling claws and they lay him in a tomb. And Jesus comes and they say, too late, Jesus. If you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died, Jesus. And Jesus says something they can't quite figure out. Jesus says, but I am the resurrection and the life. And they say, yeah, yeah, well, what good is that now? Where were you last week? So Jesus knows what he has to do. He has to show them what he means. He has to go to the tomb. He has to raise up a dead man. Resurrection and life will mean nothing to them until they can see it, until they can touch it, until they can feel it. So Jesus goes to the tomb and weeps as we all weep in the face of death. And then Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And Lazarus appears all bound up. He's alive, but he's bound. He still has the bands of death. He's on his way to a resurrection, but he's not quite there. Now allow me to freeze the frame right there, just like the window you see on your bulletin, let me freeze the frame right there. Lazarus is raised. Lazarus is bound. Lazarus is alive. And Lazarus is still wrapped with the bands of death. Let's freeze the frame there because I want to wonder with you 
about Easter in July. I want to wonder with you about what Easter looks like in July. Without the lilies, without the hydrangeas, I want to wonder with you, what does the resurrection of Jesus look like in July and August and September? Because I think that back in the spring, we celebrate Easter as that thing that we can count on at the end of life. I think in the spring, we rejoice that resurrection is something we get to cash in on at the end of our days. Easter is the big, you know, life insurance plan payable upon death. We show up in church, pay our premium, and then plan for the payout. And while all that may be true, it's only half the story. And we may be missing the important half because the important half of the story is that the resurrection isn't just a past event securing a future event. Resurrection from the very moment when Jesus walked from his tomb and shed his own bands of death, resurrection from that very moment was a present event. Resurrection is a present event. Resurrection is happening now. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Not I was the resurrection and life, not I will be the resurrection and life, but I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ is risen when? Today we sing, which means you and I are being raised today. We are on our way to a resurrection today. We may live like we're heading into the tomb. We may be binding ourselves with the claws of death. We may be afraid of that moderate turbulence, but the truth is we are in the process of being raised. We may be preparing for one inevitable, but it's the wrong inevitable. The only inevitable we have to think about is the inevitability of resurrection. We are are being raised right now. We may not think so. We may not even believe so, but we are so. We have passed from death into life, writes the apostle. Not we will pass from death into life, but we already have passed from death into life. You are heading now out of the tomb and not into it. And Jesus stands there and says, it's time for some unbinding. Unbind him and let him go, Jesus says to those gathered friends. Lazarus is living right now, Jesus says, in the resurrection. It's just that right now, he's still wrapped with the old death. And isn't that one of the most relevant commands of Christ? Unbind them, unbind them, and let them go. Right at the very start, Jesus said that that was what his ministry was about, to proclaim what? Release to the captives, to unlock the jails, to, to unbind the bands. So Easter in July is hearing again the good news that we are on our way out of the tomb and that the great spiritual journey is embracing the resurrection now, living the resurrection now, passing from death to life now, facing our fears now. Reminds me of the church that had invited a musical group to sing at their church one Sunday, and the musical group was called Resurrection. And Resurrection was going to sing at the Sunday services, but Resurrection's plane had some mechanical issues that canceled their flight. So the pastor Saturday night put on the church sign, Resurrection Postponed. <laughs> and I wonder if that isn't a little bit of what you and I end up doing, postponing 
our resurrection. It's just so tempting, isn't it, to get bound up with our fears and our worries and our anxieties and our obsession with how bad things are going that we end up postponing our own resurrection, putting it off till we have no breath. It reminds me of my old friend, I'll call him Tom. And Tom did not have a drinking problem. At least that's what he always would say to me. I drink, but I don't have a drinking problem. And every night he would put down a few more and wrap himself with a few more burial bands, but he didn't have a drinking problem. That's what he told his wife when she walked out the door with her suitcase. I don't have a drinking problem. About the fourth week of residing alone in the hollow tomb of his house, not having a drinking problem, he didn't like the loneliness and the despair and the constriction of his burial bands. It was his golfing buddy who invited him to an AA meeting where he felt safe enough and strong enough to say, I have a drinking problem. And the gathered folks said, unbind him and let him go. Resurrection no longer postponed, for we have passed from death into life. Not unlike the woman who had joined me and others years ago on a mission trip to another part of the world, she had managed over the years of her life to insulate herself with the large amounts of money that her husband made she found her way to all the exclusive clubs and circles in town. She had a nice house and gate to protect her. She had all the things money could buy, but what she didn't realize was all that money was burying her. It wasn't filling the empty spot. It wasn't lifting her from her low-grade depression. God knows what prompted her to sign up for this mission trip, but it was this huge leap to watch her board that plane. And for the first couple of days in that foreign struggling land, she chose for the most part to hide in her room just to avoid having to touch and see the real pain, the real misfortune, the real poverty there is in this world. But then slowly after a couple of days, she began to gently walk out of her tomb she began to feel something she hadn't felt before. She began to feel compassion. She began to feel empathy. She began to feel love. The burial bands were loosening. It stunned me, stunned me when she stood up at the end of our week and told the group about feeling alive for the very first time. And the gathered folks said, unbind her and let her go. Resurrection no longer postponed, for we have passed from death into life. Glenn Fry of the Eagles, that preeminent theologian, sang it in one of his songs, so oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. Easter in July. And here's the thing. Jesus stands at our graves and calls us out today 
today. Because where he chooses to reside is in us. The resurrected Jesus resides in us. The resurrected Jesus appears in the world through us. And we do him little good, bound and buried. Fear, wrote Kathleen Norris, is not a bad place to start a spiritual journey. If you know what makes you afraid, then you can see clearly the way you have to go out. Fear is the door out of the tomb. Unbind him and let him go. Unbind her and let her go. For we have passed from death into life. Resurrection no longer postponed. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.